Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Honest Podcast. I'm your host, Harrison Barron. And today I have a great episode. Lots of law, if you're interested in law. Um, But first, before I get to that kind of good stuff, um, absolutely smash that subscribe button on whatever platform you're on. You can find it on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, um, pretty much anywhere you get your podcast. TuneIn uh, is a new one that we're on and soon to be Spotify as well. So it'll be available on all your things. Smash that subscribe subscribe button, rate it, give it a review. I do read them. It's much appreciated for anyone who can give me uh, any advice. And that's pretty much it. Just the BrutallyHonestPodcast.com. BrutallyHonestPodcast.com. You can sign up for the newsletter. All that good stuff is going to be coming out. Um, and there you will be able to get an idea of what's going on with the show, my life, all that kind of good stuff. Um and it's, you can read about the guests. There's a whole bunch of stuff I put on there. It's really geared towards you guys to make your life easier um, and to kind of see who you are looking at and whatnot and who the guests are and who the most recent guests are. All that kind of good stuff. Um, I do it for you guys. And that's pretty much it. Just uh, I keep saying that, but that's it's, it's simple today. Just one sponsor. Back to uh, the good old trusty nerds that care. You know, thanks. Thanks to the Nerds I Care for sponsoring another episode of the Brutally Honest Podcast. And you might ask, what is the Nerds That Care? And the Nerds That Care is your third-party IT company. If you're a business owner, you need IT support. You need your employees to run um, efficiently. The IT, Your IT needs to work. You need software. You need hardware. You need your backups to be taken care of. You need data encryption to avoid these giant agencies, HIPAA, FERPA, um, Department of Financial Services. This is what they're going to help you with. They're going to put a strategic plan in place. They're going to support you with whatever your business needs are. And from there, they're going to assist you and get you where you need to be. It cuts out all the headaches, cuts out a lot of the stress as, as a business owner can have, and it increases productivity and uptime. Uptime is the term in the IT industry of just constantly working. So if you don't have that, check them out, nerdsthatcare.com. They'll be more than happy to help you guys out. And uh, the show today is, uh, I had my buddy Rob Montefusco on the show. He is a divorce attorney or lawyer or counselor at law. If you don't know what any of those are, we explained it in about a couple seconds. And uh, I almost interrogated him. I felt a little bad, but there's so much I don't know and so much I wanted to learn. And uh, I drilled down pretty deep with him and tried to get... uh, find out exactly what he does and he has quite an interesting job and uh one of my favorite things about him is that he really believes in what he does and that's not that common nowadays so i really appreciate that so without any further ado please please welcome please introduce please welcome my friend robert montefusco What's up, man? Thanks for being on the show. Well, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. The uh, Anytime, anytime. So I know I have a, a stupid question that I asked just before when you gave me the answer of, what is the difference between a lawyer and an attorney? You know what? Um, you also have to ask counselor at law because it's a third option. 
What? Uh, so you have attorney, you have lawyer, and you have counselor at law. All the same. All the same. Why depends, do they have so many titles? It, it depends on where you are, like um, what state. You mm. know, I mean, there are states that um, um, will call like uh, a judges, magistrates, and uh, you know, esquire for attorney. It really just depends on where you are. But for New York State, it's usually attorney or or lawyer, and uh, it's the same thing. But what's an what's the counselor counselor at law? So it just. It's just another longer way of saying, you know what it is? It's when you when you have your letterhead and you want to look impressive. So you say <laughs> law officer Rob Montefusco. And instead of just saying attorney, you say counsel at law. <laughs> it just looks impressive on the letterhead. There that's, you go. That's my opinion. That's so funny. Um, ah, that's so depressing now that I know that. Yeah. I always thought there was some kind of difference. No. no. So um, first, I think the best, best route is to tell people what do you do. Because that's pretty I'm a interesting. Counselor at law. In, <laughs> I um, <laughs> I have my own practice. Um, I focus on uh, matrimonial, which is okay. divorce and family law. Okay. So my practice is um, it's a, a small firm. I have an associate attorney. I have a an office manager, and I have a paralegal. And we just work in that area. We just work in in family law, which is you know. Um, people who are not married and going through like um, uh, custody issues or child support issues and we deal with people who are married and that's divorce and that would be um, dealing with all the issues that come up with a divorce custody and everything else money I gotcha yeah very interesting and now so I had um, I had my buddy Sal Alessi on here and he was a a divorce financial analyst okay I'm not sure how, how often you run into those guys those guys are helpful. Um, I, I like that because they, they can help a client think beyond the divorce aspect. Okay. So, you know, my job is kind of helping like a triage going through the divorce process and trying to preserve assets and trying to, you know, you know provide for financial, uh, you know, um, support for a client. Those people can, you know, help a client look prospectively and beyond. So, you know, Maybe they can come up with an idea of it's better to get a lump sum amount of money and put it here, or they rather recommend that the client receive and you know sort of pay out over time, things like that. So that does help. Uh, I gotcha. Yeah. Very interesting. And now, uh, one thing that that we that we touched upon, um, and I'd like your insight on this because I think that you you would probably have a a, a different opinion, or uh, I don't want to say different statistics, but you know a different knowledge of it is but you know what is the rate of people getting divorced and then why well or the, why do you think the rate of people i would say that everybody that comes to see me gets divorced oh that, yeah all right so the rate of people coming to see you but so they're uh, coming to me they're coming to me for a divorce so i would say 100 percent. but um no um i'd say it's about 50 percent about 50%, yeah, of first-time marriages. I would tell you the percentage of divorce is higher for second-time marriages. It's higher for second time? Yeah. Because they've already been through it and they know it's not... I think they're less likely to put the effort in to try to save it. And they go, you know what? Just be done with it. Damn. Yeah. That is something I was not expecting. Yeah. Yeah. And I get asked often, you know, what... In terms of like duration of of, of the, the marriage, is it mm-hmm. under ten years? What's the more common, you know, uh, duration of when people get divorced? 
And honestly, it, it, it ranges. I mean, I would tell you under 10 years would be a higher percentage of people getting divorced. Over 10 years, you know, 10 to 20 would be the next, you know, more common. And then over 20, it's it's not as common, but you do see it. And then very rare is you get like people who are married 40 years. They tend to say, we're going to stick it out until we die. That's a good thing. I, well, that is a good thing. Um, do you think that people are typically happier after the divorce? Yes. But you're so you're asking a loaded question because mm. I'm divorced. Mm, and so, true. you know, I look at it from my perspective and from my background. And um, as much as I do believe in marriage, and I, and I do, and I believe that you should try to work things out, there are times when you need to get a divorce. And I think that, um, you know, the benefits are, you know, you're, you can... You can find yourself again. I mean, a lot of people get caught up in the the, the marriage and, and the family and they lose their identity and they're just either a provider or they're just the caretaker and, you know, they, they sort of forget who they are and they don't have any sort of drive other than being in the marriage. And I think when you realize that you lose yourself, um, sometimes a divorce can help re-find yourself and then you can go on to, you know, in, live your life. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, and you and so I guess after that whole so after the whole process and typically people are happier um, you know do a lot of people go to counseling before or after both you know I yes and counseling I'll let you in on a secret um, marriage counselors are probably my number one source of referrals oh I can imagine because when you go into marriage counseling because you have to mm-hmm. it's too late you know mm-hmm. I tell people like friends of mine who are married I'll tell people the time to go to marriage counseling is when you think things are fine because you need to learn how to communicate. You need to learn how to, uh, you know, be in the marriage and not when it's years have gone by and there's resentment and then you got the ultimatum, go to marriage counseling or we're getting divorced. And that's too late. That's too late. Um, And then after divorce, I think people should go to counseling for themselves, period. I mean, I think it's always enlightening to just – have someone to talk to who listens and doesn't judge you or give you advice in terms of based on their own, you know, uh, point of view. They, they listen and hopefully encourage you to find yourself. Mm. Yeah. Very interesting. I, I figured they'd be a good referral, but I would have never guessed that it's when you don't need it is the time to get it. You know, people always, um, everyone's busy, you know, and that's the one thing I, I've seen, um, Everybody's busy in this in this life, and when you have kids and you have you know two two um, two parties that are working and have careers outside the home, and the number one thing that gets forgotten about is the marriage. So you just figure the other person is going to be there, and you take them for granted, and then something happens, and you know you're, you're on that path where you can't uh, you can't get off of it, and you're heading for a divorce. Once you're on that road. Yeah. See, I mean, and I, I, that's why, I mean, I, obviously I, I prosper with the divorces, but I don't encourage divorces. In fact, yeah. you know, when, I, when someone comes to see me, you know, I'll, I'll sit and have a conversation. And if, you know, they're on the fence, I'll tell them, look, go to marriage counseling or go to individual counseling or just do something to make sure that it's right for you. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, it's, it, you can't just, you can't just undo a divorce. I mean, once you're divorced, you know, you, certain financial obligations are in place and you're dividing assets and it's a big, big deal. Yeah. That's a, it's a huge deal. Yeah. Um, 
and it's quite time consuming from from yep. my understanding of mm-hmm. it. That's uh, yeah, that's nuts. Um, in in your experience, why are people getting divorced now? Yeah, I I think it's, I think, I think in our society, everything is. I want it now, you know, and uh, everybody so used to instant gratification, whether it's on our phones, computers, you know, information, we want it now. Uh, we want to be entertained now. I mean, uh, you see it with kids, with parents, with young kids, young babies, one, two years old, they're holding an iPhone with some sort of game or, you know, video on it. Yeah. Um, and I think people are not willing to put the effort into any relationship, whether friendship, marriage, you know, uh, any type of girlfriend, boyfriend relationship or whatnot. Um, I think people just, if they're unhappy, they want to find instant happiness. And if they find it from somebody at work or somebody at the gym, it's easier than working on the marriage. Just because they can find it that much yeah. easier. Yeah. That's crazy. And I think marriage is more disposable now than it used to be. You know, what do you mean? Th- there used to be this stigma of being divorced now there's no stigma which is not a bad thing and you know i don't think having the stigma was a good thing but there was like this you know maybe i should do everything i can to not get the divorce or not be divorced today it's like okay marriage you know there are a lot of people that go into marriage thinking well if it doesn't work out i'll get divorced it's like it's, it's an option as opposed uh. to years ago when you know you actually stood in front of you know, whatever religion you are, if you you know you're in a religious ceremony, whether you you, you swear and you know for life and death type of thing, life mm-hmm. to you know was a death to us part. Well, that you know, Absolutely. no one thinks of it that way anymore. No one says, "Wow, we committed to to death to us part, and we should stay married." And no, I think it's disposable. I think you're not happy. Eh, we'll get divorced. I'm not complaining. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's good but, for business. Uh, yeah, it's, it's good for business. But I do, like I said, I do have a conscience, and I do try my best to to be a good person. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, I'm not against being remarried. I would like to do that someday. Oh, very good. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's incredible. That is one of the, I'm a firm believer in that too. This thing is the devil. Um, as I hold up my cell phone, uh, because you know, you're bored one night and I don't, anybody could, you could just hop on Tinder. You can hop on Bumble. There's a million dating apps that you can sign up for in literally less than five minutes. Well, you, you know, along those lines, you know, what really is the devil? What? Facebook. Because that reconnects spouses with ex-boyfriends, ex-girlfriends. And so many times you're unhappy. You get into a fight with your wife or your husband. You go up to your computer up in your bedroom. You're on Facebook and then somebody pops up, the next boyfriend ex-girlfriend. You know, and you start communicating. And it's just platonic at first. It's just the emails. And then it becomes something more. Yeah, it becomes, ooh. Yeah. Facebook, yeah. Facebook. Yeah. God damn. Yeah. Um, yeah, keeping the world connected for sure. And while we're on the topic of Facebook, I'll throw out a little bit of um, sort of a public, away, public announcement. Get off of Facebook. In other words, people, you know, you, listen, you want to have an affair, I'm not going to judge, but don't advertise it. You know, if you're, you know, you'd be surprised how many people will, will, will go out with, you know, somebody who's not their husband or wife to dinner, drinks, whatnot, and take pictures of mm. themselves and post it. But you never Facebook. know if they're actually having an affair. That's true, but you know, sometimes the pictures are so bad and, and damaging. You just mm. it's just stupid. And how about beyond that? When you're actually going through a divorce, I had this happen a lot. People who are going through a divorce, and then you know, uh, so now everything is 
game. Everything is open season. So you can, you know, everything is, is going to be used against you. And, and people who will go out and then take pitches, innocent pitches, like you said, but with, with say, a bottle of uh, beer in your hand or a glass of wine in your hand, mm-hmm. you post on Facebook, it's just not good. looks bad. So just refrain from doing that. Only well, during that time, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm. Now, when those things come up, I'm assuming it murkies the it murkies the water. Absolutely, right, the, the right yep. terminology. Um, but why? Well, it, it mainly affects if there's say uh, custody issues. You know, you then you're gonna get into mm. a judgment. And uh, what if maybe that one night you went out, you. Um, you turn down seeing your kids to go out with your friends or go on a date type of thing. And uh, even though, again, it could be innocent, the impression or the spin is going to be that you're just uh, someone who lacks good judgment and can't be trusted with whatever, the kids or... And that really upholds in court? You know, upholds in court... Because I know nothing about this. I don't do this every day. Yes and no. It's it's. I always tell people, and I, and I say this to... A lot of clients, and I said it to a client today, I try to have my clients wear the white hat. Try to eliminate potential um, ammunition for the other side to use against you. Anything can be argued against you. Whether it holds up is something completely different. And you may not even get to that point in time because it may be something that is thrown at you over and over again throughout the entire process. And even though it may not be true, it's something that the other side would just hang hang their hat on and say, but I have pictures of you being out with your friends and being to two in the morning when the kids were home with the babysitter mm-hmm. and it just it looks bad and it's something that will always be there and you know an attorney can use that and try to make as much out of it as possible and you just never know mm. so now my my two follow-up questions are what about instagram and what about twitter are those problem areas too or is it mainly facebook just because of the connections well Twitter, I don't see much problems with. I don't think. Um, so you're not getting those. Photos. Yeah, I mean, I I would tell you that um, sometimes you 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 get a, a client that will uh, send out a a, a a a tweet about their their future ex spouse, and they'll say something negative about that person. Mm-hmm. You know the you know effing jerk or whatever. Mm-hmm. And if their kids, if they have kids, are on their, you know, in their connections, you know, yeah. and, and the kids can possibly see it, yeah, that looks bad. And that's going to be used against you. And that's mm. something, or, or even if that, the you know, the people who can see it or maybe say your ex's employer or your ex's friends, it doesn't look good for you. So it, it's something else that can be used against you, whether or not it's going to have a big effect on your case, probably not. But again, it's going to add to more work for the attorney and more costs for you and delay the inevitable conclusion of the case. Gotcha. Now, because I know I know somebody this happened to, um, where the the now ex wife was basically training the kids to say negative things in the courtroom. Obviously, there's a reason why she wants custody of the kids, so she tells the kids to say negative things about the the husband, but or the now ex husband. But you know, how does that? How does the children's word hold up i know i'm asking you a bunch of ridiculous questions no it's not because i have no idea you know it's depending on the age of the kids um if they are of a certain age they can speak to the judge directly and their word does mean a lot um 
But if the divorce case involves custody, obviously in this example, we're talking about that type of situation, the kids are going to have their own attorney. It's called attorney for the children. And, you know, an experienced attorney for the children and an experienced judge, you should be able to pick up when kids are just repeating the words from their parents. Mm. You know, certain words you can hear that it's just not common for a kid to say. Gotcha. And usually if the kids are repeating it in a certain way, you know, um, you can sort of make a logical assumption that the kid is being prepped by, by the parent. And if the court does make that determination, it's going to flip around. It's going to be terrible for that person who's accused to have prepped the child. Uh, so it's a, it weighs heavy on the experience yes, then. Exactly. Exactly. And it's tough because, you know, you don't know what really, which way a judge is going to think. Um, but, um, and then I think just for a parent to put the kids in, involved in that way, to me, is, is bad. And, um, you know, and you have to step you have to step away from from the situation and realize what is really best for your kids. And it's hard. P- people don't do that. People are, are involved in, in the moment. They want to win. Zero-sum mentality. We got to win or lose. You know, it's – and my kids will survive if I put them through this. And that's that's not a good attitude to have. Yeah. I feel like it's very uncommon that people are willing to part ways civilly. And, I mean, please tell me otherwise if I'm – No, I mean, it's – it's um, it, it, it is uncommon. Um, it's unfortunate too because, you know, I'll tell a client straightforward, you know, this is what I foresee as being a an outcome of your case and um, and I'm usually right and it's just a matter of getting to that point, you know, and Ugh. if it's going to take two years and cost $20,000 or is it going to take six months and cost only, you know, $6,000. It all depends on how much the other side's willing to fight and how emotional they want to go. Mm. And now what... What about the people that are just like, I'm just going to keep dumping money into this until I get everything I want? You know, it's funny. So many times I'll, I, uh, I'll get a client and uh, they'll tell me that they're concerned about the other side. And they'll say that, I'll give an example, my husband. My husband's parents, they're loaded. They're going to just keep spending money on council fees and they're going to litigate the case forever mm-hmm. or until until I don't have any more money and I have to give up. It's unusual that anybody's going to throw money away in litigation. And people have to believe it's going to serve a purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and if you are effective as an attorney, you can make that point known to the judge and you can do things to alert to the judge that we're wasting time here or the other side is wasting, you know, resources. And you can, again, make turn that around against that person and, you know, sort of get, you know, it's a stop. Jesus. Yeah. There's a lot of, I don't know if it's gray area, but there's a lot of stuff to do with law. Well, you know, it's funny. A lot of the stuff doesn't do with law. It's a lot of, it's emotional. A lot of it's just, you know, um, people just going through the cycle of, of, of mourning a relationship, whether they do it in a, civilized manner as you said before or they do it in a vengeful vindictive you know manner um and that's the unfortunate part um the law part really isn't all that complicated it's just when people are refusing to accept the the end of the relationship and and the the in the you know the the probable consequences that's when you get into uh, uh, protracted uh, cases 
That's insane. Yeah. Wow. But before I did the divorce world, I don't know if you know this, but I was a, a prosecutor. I was a an assistant um, uh, district attorney, Suffolk County uh, DA's office. That's how I started my career. Okay. So I was doing that. Fresh out of college? Uh, close. Law school. <laughs> All right. First law oh, school. Yeah, yeah, law school. I mean, after, after, after college is law school. Um, and uh, that was a great experience. I was, um, you get thrown into the courtroom right away. And uh, you're you're on the side of righteousness, you know what I'm saying? You're mm-hmm. you're um, you're putting the bad guys away. Yeah. What's the, so? How do you even get into there? You get hired by the, the county to do that? Yeah. Or, you, get, you know, walk me through that whole process. Yeah. No, I know literally nothing about any of this. This is all. This is so foreign to me. Talk about computers all day long. Technology all day long. Law. Not even a little. Well, it's probably a good thing that you're not too, too familiar with the uh, <laughs> criminal courtroom. In, 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 in the, in the I don't know anything about any of this stuff. Yeah. That's why I have you here. Pick your brain. Uh, I yeah. want to learn. Yeah. So um, so out of law school, you know, um, you you look around, you, you, you have your ears open, you try to figure out where you want to go. It's very rare that, you know, you know exactly what you want to do in terms of what type of field you want to practice in. At least I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had heard that... Um, that working for the DA's office, whichever county, uh, was a really highly sought after uh, position. Mm-hmm. Um, so I applied, and you go through three rounds of interviews, each time moving up along the, yep. the chain of command. And then Absolutely. You, your last interview was with the DA himself, and at that time it was James Cadison. And uh, he asked me three questions. I can remember two. Oh, I remember all three now. I can let me ask you. Yeah, fire them away, please. The three three questions was, I don't care how you voted, but did you did you vote in the last election? What book did you last read, and can you play softball? What What do your answers have anything to do with law? Well, he was his position on the question about did you vote was were public servants and that um, he thought it was important that to work for him that you were, you know, being a good uh, citizen and and voting and using (laughs) your rights to to vote. Absolutely. Um, That one makes sense. Yeah, that one makes sense. The book too. The book thing, yeah. I mean, and and I had had gotten a tip on that. Um, Somebody (laughs) had told me that. It's a good thing too because I hadn't read anything recently. And... uh, (laughs) And then the, the the softball thing. What was the book? Oh, jeez. I don't remember what I said back then. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think I might have read the autobiography of um, James Adams, I think. Okay. But um, so the softball thing, um, the DA's office, I think they still do it to this day. They were big in competing with other County DA's office, okay. and softball was a big thing. <laughs> and we compete, and it was it was really competitive. And um, so, of course, me thinking I was a good athlete, I said, "Yes, I'm I'm very good in softball." Mm. And in that year, which was a blast because we did very well, and we actually played, I think against, I forget what county we played against, but we played at Chase Stadium for the championship game. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Very impressive. Yeah. And I'll tell you something else that was very impressive. So. So we're at the we're at the Shea Stadium. Now this is back Shea, you know. The, yeah, yeah. Now it's City Field, or whatever. Absolutely, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's nice. It's new, but this is back back in the day. So, so cool, though. Yeah, it was cool. So they don't want a bunch of 
whatever we are, amateurs, less than amateurs, messing <laughs> up their infield, right? So they told us that we had to play on the outfield. So third base was home plate. So if you can picture that, so third base is home plate. Okay. And then you kind of just tilt everything you know, uh, okay. yeah, out yeah, to yeah. the outfield, right? So we're playing, and um, and uh, again, I think I'm a good athlete. So I, I actually hit a ball, and it goes over the fence. So it's a home run. I mean, it's a, it's a good feat. Not not a phenomenal feat because I'm not at home yeah, plate, yeah, yeah. you know, but it's still a good feat. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and people, uh, you know, people uh, celebrated it. Well, I worked for about three and a half years at the DA's office. And I ran into Mr. Caddison maybe six to eight times. The guy that interviewed you. The guy that interviewed me. The okay. guy, the, the DA. And yeah, I did a good job when I worked at the DA's office. I won, uh, you know, my fair share of cases and, and worked hard. Whenever he saw me, he knew nothing about me, nothing about in terms of a case that I just maybe won or mm-hmm. how I handled a certain thing. All he remembered was, you're the guy who hit the ball over the fence at Shea Stadium. Every time I ran That's into the most him, important thing. And, you know, I, I, I would just sit there and smile and say, yeah, yeah, I did. That was it. That's so, so fun. Yeah, so that was fun. Good experience. So when you're a over. prosecutor, um, do you get rewarded for winning cases? Like, how does that whole thing work when you're there? Like, is there rewards? Do you get any benefits? Is it just I'm doing my job? You know, is there a reason for you to work an extra 20 hours a week? You know? No, it's it's... The benefit is uh, moving up and and elevating within the DA's office. Um, you know, you don't receive any more financial reward or any sort of, you know, uh, benefit in that in that regard. You are expected to win cases um, that you're expected to win. Like, for example, when you have a case that has uh, real evidence against a particular a particular defendant, mm-hmm. you have to win those cases. If you lose a case, and the you defendant win. is the guilty person. Well, no, no, the defendant is the accused. They're oh, accused, guilty yes. until proven guilty beyond yes, a reasonable yes, doubt yes. in a court of law. Um, so yeah, so um, you know there are cases that come in that are just you know where you have you know tremendous evidence and you're expected to win. And there are cases that. It's very difficult to, to prove, and you're not expected to win. And if you do win those cases, it's you know more more credit. And the better you do, or at least the, you know uh, the, your results, if they the if they mirror what you should be doing, you get promoted to like the next higher bureau or the next higher level in, in the office. And then that's that's really. And then there are people that are in the office for careers that just believe in it, and that's what motivates them. And there are people like me who use it as a stepping stone that I wanted to get the experience. I wanted to uh, learn how to be a really effective trial attorney, which, you know, that trains you to, to do that because you're in court every single day. Uh, and you're, you have, you have trials all the time. So you're always just learning. And, um, I knew that I was doing it for that reason to, you know, I did the best I could, but I knew that I was going to move on to, to a career, a career in private practice. And that's what I did. Hmm. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. And now, so you're you're trying to put these people in jail. Not you particularly, but, you know, the, sure. that, that is part of your role is to, you know, do right by the court system. And so do you, was there ever a time where you thought differently about the person being prosecuted? Like, you know, hey, I think they're actually innocent. Well, I mean... If you have evidence to suggest that they're innocent, that's a different story. Whether or not you feel like compassion, 
I mean, that's that's part of being a human being, but you still have to do your job. So I might feel compassion for somebody, but if, you know, if the evidence suggests that they're guilty and you can't reach a an, an offer or compromise or a, a plea bargain, mm-hmm. then you have to go forward. So you try to, you know, put your emotions aside and do your job. Yeah. If you have evidence to suggest that they might not be guilty, well, you have to disclose that immediately and then you have to reevaluate whether or not you even bring the case. So yes. Oh, so you won't even so not even all cases go to court then. Right, right. Oh, uh, so now in a in that instance, what happens? You know? Well you again, if, if you f- like say a case was say there's like um I don't know, an assault charge, or, you know, like a, a bar fight, right? So mm-hmm. you get two guys into a bar fight and then uh, one guy gets arrested and you're prosecuting that one guy. And then you find out there's a witness that says the one guy who you you think is the, the the victim is the one who actually took out a knife and you know threatened the first guy. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And then yeah. and the knife was never recovered. So you find out something different, then you have an obligation to say I, I can't I don't I can't go forward with this case because this guy defend- as a lawyer exactly. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow, did not know that. So yeah, so then but so which was. Interesting is when you when you're in the DA's office, you you feel like you're again the side of you know righteousness. You know you're doing you're doing good work type of thing. I left the DA's office. I left and went into private practice, and honestly, I left to make more money because you, you don't get paid that well. You're a public servant, and you, you get paid like a public servant, which is not all that uh, not all that well. And with law school loans and whatnot, yeah, law school is definitely not cheap. No, so. I first started doing criminal defense before I got into the whole matrimonial thing. Mm-hmm. I said uh, I started doing criminal defense, which was interesting because I went from being a prosecutor. Mm-hmm. Like I remember the next day, like I turned in my badge, and I remember thinking to myself, "When do I lose that feeling of righteousness? Like you know, mm-hmm. like I'm a sheriff, I'm a guy with the badge, and now you got a badge. Yeah, you got a badge as a DA. Oh, now I turn in my badge, good. and I'm like, now you know, I represent people accused of crimes." And uh, I did, you know, you just, you just switch the hat around and you do your job. And, um, and I actually had a lot of fun doing criminal defense. That was a lot of fun, a lot of trials. And, uh, what does the average day look like? Say what? What does like the average day look like when you're doing that? Well, you know, it's all what you develop as a practice. So for me being a DA, I learned a criminal law, right? Mm -hmm. Penal law. Uh, So when I left the DA's office, now I'm in private practice. What do I know? I know criminal law. So, mm-hmm. um, and I started cultivating a client base of defendants, of, of people accused of, of crimes. And, you know, you get to a point where you have a good reputation. You have um, a busy calendar. So I would have two or three cases a day in court where I'd have two or three different clients accused of various type of, of charges, DUEs, harassment, contempt, you know, criminal contempt, which is like a say violation of an protection, Right up to burglary, you know, um, and even more serious crimes, uh, criminal possession of of, uh, of drugs and all all types of stuff. And um, you know, you, you you do your best to to negotiate and try to do a plea bargain. And when there's no good plea bargain, you end up going to trial. Mm. I had one good case, one case where it probably was one of the defining moments of my career. Um, I had this gentleman that was uh, accused of a really horrendous crime, um, aggravated sex abuse in the first degree. I mean, Ooh. it sounds, sounds nasty, right? Yeah. It's a high-class felony, a B-class felony, which is, so there's A felony, B, C, D, E, so, and A being the worst, so B-class felony, which is pretty bad, 
Uh, it's a violent felony. And uh, he was a, a gentleman about mid-30s in his age, big gentleman. And uh, he was accused of uh, uh, inserting something into a young child's rectum. Mm. And I believed him when he told me he didn't do it. And everybody said to me, Hacky represents this guy. And I said, I believed him. And the DA's office was, they, they weren't making any type of reasonable offer. It was like they wanted like five years in jail or seven years in jail, something like mm-hmm. that. The guy had no criminal record whatsoever. Um, and um, so we end up going to trial. And I remember the first day when you do jury selection. So you're in this big courtroom. Mm-hmm. And the way jury selection works is they, they file in like 100 potential jurors. And the idea is you're going to question these jurors to see if they can be fair and impartial and, and sit in the jury. Mm-hmm. And so the judge initially makes the announcement of who the parties are. Yeah. It, does anyone know the defendant? Does anyone know the, the prosecutor? Does anyone know the defense attorney? Does anyone know the judge? And then the judge... Out of the jury. Right, out of the 100 people that are just sitting, at a prospective jury, out of the 100 people who are just sitting there. Mm-hmm. And then the judge says... Hey, because if you know somebody, you're gone, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And then so... Then the judge says, "Okay, I'm going to read. I'm going to, I'm going to read the charges." And she read the charges, and again, the charges are sex abuse in the first degree, three counts of that. And the, why is it three counts? Three separate times. Oh, damn! And the 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 the, the, the moaning, like the, the crowd was like, you can just hear like, well, like it was like it was like, like he was guilty just on the charges alone. Yeah. And I remember just thinking, oh my goodness, you know. I got a lot of work to yeah, do. Yeah, I'm like, this is not, you know, this is not good. And uh, the short version is we won. We got a not guilty verdict after a long trial. And uh, it was it was amazing. And and um, I feel really good about that because I believed in him 100%. 100%. And, um, and that was kind of it for me. I mean, after that, kind of segued into just doing mostly matrimonial. Um, and just more things came through that way. Do people ever tell you, because I know there's... Uh, what is it? It's it's like confidentiality between your lawyer and you. There's a name for it. Confidentiality. Privilege? Yeah. Um, does anybody ever say, hey, I'm guilty of this, but I want to try to get out of it? I'll tell you something. Another defining moment. Um, so when I was, I just left the DA's office. I was a prosecutor, as I told you. I went into private practice. I'm doing criminal defense and, you know, taking whatever client that comes in and, within a very short period of time, I'm now doing a trial representing, you know, a defendant. Mm-hmm. And the allegation was that he violated an order of protection. And um, we went to trial and uh, I did the best job I could and the verdict came back not guilty. And I'm thrilled, thrilled. Client was thrilled, happy, happy. Five years later, five mm-hmm. years later, I'm in the store someplace, I don't know, a woman walks up to me, she recognized me, she happened to be the, the girlfriend of my client back then. And she's like, hi, Robert, hi, how are you? Oh, my God. And I recognized her, and I said, ah, oh, how are you? She's, oh, my God, you're amazing. You did such a great job. I said, well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. No, no, really, you did such a great job. He did it. He really did violate the order of protection. And I was shit. like, whoa, you know, and, and it's a weird feeling because, you know, you know you did your job. I mean, you're just doing the job. But uh-huh. it was kind of a weird feeling. I'm like, do I feel proud of myself that I beat a case I should have lost? Or yeah. do I feel did bad? Did you get harmed at all? Or was no, just- no, no. It was just a matter of being someplace that you shouldn't have You shouldn't have been there. It was like uh, stay away type of the house and he happened to yeah. come up to the house. Oh, okay. So that was that was, that was was kind of like my, 
my, you know. And did you, you actually believed her when she said he actually did it? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So, you know, you, but you do your job. And like I said, you try to focus on, on the things that, uh, that you can control and things that you can't control. You just let But something so minor like that. I mean, as long as it's not repeat. I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm sure it's probably a lot of gray area. But like, you know, if it's com- hey, you can't be on my property, and they come up to the door and knock on the door, and then they walk away. True, but it, 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 technically, it's a violation. And it's, if there's an order of protection that says keep away, you don't keep away. It's it's a misdemeanor. Really? Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. Yep, that happens a lot in divorce cases too. Damn. People run and get an order of protection against somebody, and then you violate it. It's a misdemeanor. That's insane. So she yeah. just said he actually did it. Yeah. And there's nothing you could do at that point. Case is closed. Yeah, no, I but mean. No, I mean, it, I guess it doesn't matter at I've, that point. I'm not going to lie. I felt pretty good. Winning. Yes. Winning a case that, you know, the guy might have been. Well, and then guilty. five years later when she said it, did you still. Did you no, still so, no, I'm saying when she, when she told me I felt good. Oh, because you know you won. I felt that I really, like, I did what you're supposed to do as a defense attorney. You know, oh, find so, a yeah. way to win. Shit, you know, so that's insane. Yeah, that damn, and re- just recognize you off the street. Hey, yeah, no, that was kind of weird too. But uh, and um, no, but like you said, I mean, I don't. Would I feel as good if it was somebody who was a violent person? No, I agree with you. I, I wouldn't. Yeah, feel something good. I wouldn't so want that, so small. You know, I would tell you that only one time did I have a client that sort of came to me and. Charged with a crime. I'm not going to really talk about what type of crime it was. But yeah, it was, yeah, absolutely. It was, a, it was a nasty crime. And he told me he did it. Now, once you do that and once a client does that, I mean, you're limited in what you can do. You're not allowed to allow someone to testify falsely. So I can't let him take the stand and say I didn't do it type of thing. So you're limited. Uh, so and, never admit to it. Right. Well, I always, I joke around. Again, I don't do much. I don't do really hardly any criminal defense now. But I used to tell clients when I used to do criminal defense, in the beginning, I used to say, tell me everything because I want to know everything. Then when I realized I didn't want to know everything, I said, tell me what you want me to know. Mm. So, uh, but yeah, he but told But then me, doesn't that make your job harder? Yeah, it does. It does. It does to some extent. But, you know, again, for me. Because like if they're guilty, they're still guilty. You know, if they told you. But I work harder if I believe in you. If you're telling me you you, you, know, you weren't there, you didn't do it, I'm going to work harder. Which I totally agree with. But if I came to you and said, hey, I did this crime, I need you to, to represent me, you know, I guess because then nobody would trust the No, lawyers. I mean, you, you, you're right. I mean, because, I mean, yes and no. Like, so for example, this one, the one crime was such a, a heinous, heinous crime that, I mean, I didn't want to represent him. But the reason why I did was we, we took a plea right off the bat and, uh, you know, um, it was it was a fair plea, but uh, that was that was the beginning of the end for me. I'm like, you know what? I don't think I want to do this anymore. Mm. So, it, it hits at home. Yeah. So then I kind Damn. of segued out and uh, started doing just you know divorces and yeah. What got you sparked stuff. up in divorces? You're a divorce or yeah? No, I mean you know um, no personal question. No, no, it's fine. But the answer is yes. I mean, I I tell people um, the reason why I think I'm good at what I do is because I lived through it. Um, I think that, um, you know, I think the combination of being an experienced attorney, being experienced in, in court, you know, the trials, the tremendous amount of trials that I've done, and then being or going through a divorce, a really nasty divorce, and everything was on the table, custody, we had forensics, law guardians. You? Yes. Ooh. It was it was a knockdown, dragged out 
Did fight. you did you represent yourself? I was working for an attorney at the time, uh-huh. uh, so he was you know my attorney. Although I did help write papers from time to time. Mm-hmm. Are you were you allowed to or not? Really? Well, yeah, I mean, you, you sure, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, I, you know, whether I I wouldn't put my name on it, I would draft something. He would review it and make some changes. Oh, I got you. Would send out in his name. Yeah. Wow. But uh, yeah, it was it was. Um, it's funny because I get asked a question like often, how long will it last? You know, and and typically it lasts two years and people respond by saying, wow, just like your, just like your expression. Yeah, right? I just shook my head. That's yeah. crazy. Two years. And I would tell God, people, damn, that's how long it took for my case. And you, know, yeah. you think it should be faster for me, but uh, it took two like years. Just sign on, sign on, well, there's there's other alternatives other than getting a divorce, right? Isn't it like a legal... Uh, like a legal separation or something like that. I forget. I don't know the exact. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, that is, you're absolutely right. Um, legal separation. I get asked that question a lot too. What's the difference between a divorce and a legal separation? Mm. And um, basically, a legal separation came about years ago. I mean, years ago, um, there was only one ground for divorce going back like 40, 50 years ago, which was adultery. I mean, that was it. Yeah. And. You couldn't consent to it, meaning if we're married and we want to get divorced and we both agree to get divorced, I couldn't allege adultery and you say, okay, fine. You couldn't do that. You had to prove adultery. Mm. So obviously it was hard to do. And so what they did was uh, the legislature came up with, okay, well, let's do a separation. So you you have more grounds available for a legal separation. You can complain of lack of financial support. You can complain of, uh, complain of a, a bunch of things. And you could enter into a separation agreement. And after one year, that becomes a divorce. So you don't need to prove a ground like adultery. So that's how that came about. Um, and then as years went on, they increased the different types of grounds for divorce. And now, as of 2010, you don't need a ground. New York State finally became a no-fault state. So all you have to say is in a written statement that the marriage has been broken down for six months and you get divorced. So you don't need to prove a ground. So the benefit of a separation or a legal separation isn't like it used to be. Mm. So I tell people there's really no benefit to it. Um, and, you know, other, other than maybe staying on one person's insurance, if you're still legally married, you can still be on, maybe depending on the, on the insurance plan, you can still be on the other uh the other spouse's insurance. But other than that, there's really not much of a benefit for staying legally married. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And then there's another, isn't there another one too where you're just like, hey, sign the dotted line, we're done, split everything 50-50. I forget the name of it. Uncontested? <sighs> Maybe. I don't know. What's wrong no. with an M? Uh, uh, mediation? Yes, mediation. <laughs> um, well, mediation is where... Two parties sit down with a, a person. It doesn't have to be an attorney. Mm-hmm. Often they're not. Um, and the idea is you, that the mediator gets the two parties to simply agree. doesn't matter what. Now, the mediator isn't supposed to give advice, can't give advice, really, isn't supposed to take sides, can't take sides. You're, you're neutral. You can't. If you see one person, like say you have a dominant personality and a non or undominant non-dominant yeah, personality. Pers- uh, submissive. Yeah, submissive. And so I'm the mediator and I'm watching the dominant personality person just pushing over the non-dismissive person and the submissive person is agreeing to everything the dominant person is asking for. Yeah. I can't speak up and say that's not fair. Oh. If the, the submissive person is agreeing to it, well, then I have to write it the way they agree to it. 
My job is to get them to agree, not to make it fair. So I'm not a big fan of mediation. Certain circumstances, I think it works. Um, I happen to think it doesn't work more times than it does work. I do get a lot of people that come to me after they, they've either met with a mediator or sadly even signed an agreement already that was reached by going right. through mediation and, and they look at it, they're not happy with it. Are they screwed at that point? Yep. Screwed. Damn. Yeah. But um, because when I worked as a DA, when I was working at the Suffolk County DA's office, I was actually uh, moonlighting as a divorce mediator. Okay. Yeah. So I learned wow. that aspect of it. And that's kind of how I learned the divorce law too. That's quite a journey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that, that everything, you know, listen, I believe in experiences and your life, you know, the journey, like you said, it takes you to where you are today. So I think where I am today is because of my journey, because of what I've been through, good and bad. I never look at things and say I regret. I always feel that everything happens for a reason and you take advantage of what you've learned and you, you use it to move forward. I like that. Yeah. That's a good thought. Thank you. I'll put on a t-shirt. <laughs> I'll put it on a t-shirt. Maybe too wordy though. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. It's gonna be small print. Um, that's a lot of stuff to go into a divorce. Now, um, I guess the one other topic that I want to cover, as I'm consistently picking your brain about this stuff, is prenuptial agreements. Allegedly, from what I've heard, more of them are being signed now than ever. Which typically, more of everything is happening right now than ever before. But how does that affect it? And do people say, hey, you know, I know I signed a prenup, but I think that thing is bullshit because that was signed 20 years ago and I think stuff changed. It's a good question. Um, a prenuptial agreement is a contract and it certainly is valid. Um, the problem that people have with prenuptial agreements is they tend to wait to the last moment to tell the other spouse, oh, by the way, honey, would you mind signing a prenuptial agreement? Mm. And they'll say, my attorney drifted it. Here you go. Just sign it. And say the wedding is you know, two weeks away. That's a problem. Um, even if it's signed in that situation, that spouse can claim duress that, you know, if they didn't sign it, they would have uh, called off the wedding. I mean, that's duress. So what I tell people is if they really want to do a prenuptial agreement, um, do it way in advance. I mean, way in advance, a year in advance. And then then let the other person get their own attorney so that you're not- You say in advance before the before marriage. Before the wedding, yes. Yeah, before okay, the wedding, yeah. okay. Absolutely. Get it done way in advance. And then- you Even know, before, so I'm going to cut you off. Yeah. How far in advance? Like before engagement, after engagement? Oh, I mean, I would say after the engagement. Otherwise, you're just you're doing too prematurely. But I would say at least, at least six months out before the wedding. You know, if you can do it a year, do it a year. But and the reason is because to really be effective, you need to have full financial disclosure. So you need to have the other person have an attorney, complete statements of net worth so that you, you completely upfront with each other about what you have as assets so mm -hmm. that no one can claim that there was something hidden or undisclosed. And then the problem with that is you end up getting two attorneys and you end up fighting about things. And then it's never a good idea to fight about that before your marriage. But- at least that way you're insuring or not insuring because it's hard to insure, but you're, you're you're doing the best job possible that you're, you're preparing a contract that will uh, uh, be able to be upheld years later. God forbid you, you actually get divorced and you have to use that contract. Mm. But I will tell you something interesting. So we had a case where um, a client uh, came for a divorce who had a prenuptial agreement and um, it wasn't a very long-term marriage 
And in the, in the prenuptial agreement that uh, was signed by both parties, they both waived maintenance. Maintenance is spousal support. So you have like kids and you have child support. Mm-hmm. And we have like spousal support. If, if you earn more money than me, I might be entitled to spousal support. So this agreement waived it, right? And so um, client comes to me. Um, the other spouse makes a lot more money than my, my client does. And we realized that the litigation was going to take some time. It wasn't going to be worked out too, too smoothly. So we're looking at this agreement, and we realized that even though they waive maintenance, there was nothing about temporary maintenance. So we make an application for temporary maintenance, which means pending the litigation. And the court grants it. So even though the client waived me, uh, maintenance in the agreement, we were able to get temporary maintenance pending litigation, which was very impressive on our part for my segment. Oh, so when they separate, you still have a financial obligation to pay this person to support them until the books are closed. Yes. Uh, Right. So pending litigation means when you file for for divorce and you're in court, you're in litigation, you're actually seeing a judge every so often. That's litigation. And until such time when you have your judgment of divorce, when your judgment of divorce is signed, that's when everything is final. And if you've waived maintenance in, the, in my example with this, this this prenuptial agreement where the parties waive maintenance, that means upon a final determination, like the final judgment of divorce, no maintenance. I argue that the uh, the agreement said nothing about temporary maintenance. So I was able to argue to get my client temporary maintenance while we were litigating the entire case. Mm. So, Wow. Yeah, so prenups are tough. They're difficult, you know. That's the worded very well. It had well. to be worded very carefully. Um, again, do it ahead of time as, as you know, as, as soon as you can and then make sure that the other side has an attorney. Mm-hmm. And do you think a prenuptial agreement helps marriages in the future because it's, you know, hey, I have this, I know I'm, I'm really picking your brain, but does it like, hey, you know, we already have a signed document that basically says this is what's going to happen. Do you want to continue? Do you not want to continue? I don't know if those people even come to you, you know. People fight. They fight regardless. Mm. They're gonna find a reason to fight. Um, you know, it could make things a little cleaner if the agreement was done properly, and there's no issues uh, as to whether or not you should, you you can set aside the agreement. Meaning, um, is there a reason to say the agreement is not valid? Mm-hmm. So you would then make a motion or have an action to set it aside. Was it signed the, the, the week before the wedding? Mm-hmm. Was it signed under, under duress that if I didn't sign it, he or she was going to say the wedding's off? Mm-hmm. Absent those reasons or those, you know, uh, absent a reason to set it aside, if it's valid, it could streamline things. Certainly, it, you know, this house is my house. You can't, you can't, you, you, you can't have a yeah, piece of it. Yeah, because yeah. people usually put what, business, businesses yep. and houses and mm-hmm. large assets on there. Yep. You know, basically it deals with property that was in existence before the marriage and then any appreciation of that property and then what happens if that property is sold and put into other property. Mm. So you want to kind of trace it along so you maintain the separate uh, characteristic of it as it goes along. Damn. Yeah. There's a lot of work in all this. That's why we get paid a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) You heard it, folks. Um, We're worth it, though. At least my, I, my firm is. I believe it. I believe it. You seem like a great guy. Well, thanks. Um, 
I think I'm all out of questions as far as, uh, you know, what you're, I, I've taken a pretty deep dive in, in the legal system today. No, but it's, um, you know, what I tell people is my, my just being able to relate, you know, cause I've been there and I've seen it. I try to like shine a light on a dark area. Like I try to let people know what's going to happen because very often the common complaint is the anxiety of what's to come next. And, and, and People don't know. And yeah. Unless you've been through a divorce, you don't know what's really going to happen. So I try to do my best to sort of show what's going to happen next and, and have clients feel that they're well prepared and that they're well informed. And mm-hmm. and and for me, it's about being accessible, being there for the clients and when they are when they need to talk to me to make myself available, make my staff available. And and that's that's really what it's about. I love it. Uh, I, oh. yeah, no, I was going to say, why does it take two years, though? It's a good question. I wish I had a better answer. <laughs> you know, it, it, it doesn't have to take two years. If if both sides are going to be reasonable, it, it could be done as quickly as drafting an agreement. Uh, unfortunately, people aren't reasonable. Mm. And unfortunately, you know, again, when people are emotional, when there's hurt involved, when there's, you know, betrayal, lack of trust, then 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 people go to the mats. You know mm-hmm. the expression from the Godfather, they yeah. go to the mats, they go to the mats and they want to fight. Yeah. And um and then it it is like that it takes a period of time to sort of come full circle and realize I'm wasting time or we're not gonna do any better. We're not gonna, you know, have a, a different outcome than what was originally proposed and sort of, you know, I've I've vented, I've I've had my peace or I've had my, you know, my um you know, my opportunity to, to, uh, to, uh, to fight. And then, then it kind of relaxes and people come to the senses and, and resolve the matter. Gotcha. Damn. That's so crazy. Uh, yeah. When, when emotions are high, it's never, uh, never a good thing. But I, I just want to say, because I don't know, I mean, I would hope that my staff will listen to this. So I need to <laughs> just say, I want to just mention their names. Absolutely. So, so, Maureen Furland, who's been with me for, oh my gosh, um, uh, she'll yell at me for not knowing, over 10 years. Uh, she's my office manager, administrative assistant, just all around, just amazing person that just runs the firm. Um, I worked with her when I worked at the other firm. Okay. When I went on my own. Stole her? Yeah, I did. Yeah, and she's just oh, amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, she's just, she's if, if I'm successful, it's because of her. And she knows it. And then um, I work with uh, Megan Howard, who's uh, an associate attorney, and she's just brilliant. She's been with me for about four and a half years, and she's absolutely brilliant. And it's a pleasure working with her. And then um, Hope uh, Haspidus. I hope I said that properly. Oh, um, man. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, you sure you, you, yeah. sure you want to step yeah, to hear yeah, this? Yeah. <laughs> I should give you that hand signal. Like, you know, I'm teasing. But um, edit that out. No. Um, She's uh, our paralegal, and she's been with us for four months, maybe. And she's great. She's absolutely great. And that's it. So that's us. Um, and it's, it's a good firm. It's a, it's a, we're close. We, we do a lot of things together. Uh, we like each other. We like working. That's good. We like working together. Very important. We all work hard. We all, you know, we do our jobs. We don't, there's no one like watching the clock and just busting out, you know, yeah. at, at whatever time. It's, we all, you know, do the right thing and it's it's great great work environment what does uh what does a paralegal do i don't know dumb question probably no it's a good question 
I don't know. Hope, Hope, what do you do, Hope? Wanna wanna call in? Um <laughs> yeah. Rob's so, face asking that question. So uh so all right, so paralegal, you know, there's paralegal and then there's what you small firm paralegal, like big firm paralegal and a small firm paralegal. So we'll, we'll define it that way. Big firm paralegal. Um, they're like a pseudo attorney. Okay. Um, they prepare motions. They can't sign their name to something as if they were an attorney, but they can do all the paperwork. They can do research. Um, they can draft a lot. Um, you know, and big firms, you know, they have obviously so many staff that they'll put one person in charge, like one paralegal in charge of motions or one paralegal in charge of this and that. So that's, you know, you can, you can sort of specialize that person. Small firm like myself, the paralegal is really more of a, more spread out, more has many hats to wear. Mm-hmm. Um, hope she actually does draft motions. She, not, you know, she does the, like the preliminary drafts type of thing. Um, she'll draft uh, like a discovery type of paperwork. She'll draft letters. Um, so she kind of does a lot. She's like, uh, I guess a jack of all trades, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what a paralegal does. Um, again, they're supposed to be like sort of a lawyer, but uh, do they go to law school or they go do to they paralegal just... school? Oh, oh wow. There's or paralegal school, paralegal class or something, mm-hmm. something where you graduate as a paralegal and you, you have a certificate you can hang on a wall that says you're a paralegal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, um, it's, it's, it's certainly important. And I will tell you that, you know, you're only as good as the people that you work with. So, I mean, a firm believer. Yeah. So it's, and I tell you, just being being around your place here, just meeting meeting people here, um, I I can tell it's the same type of situation here. You have a Absolutely. good group here. Yeah, it's uh, the hardest thing in the world is to find good people. Yeah. Um, and when you do, it's it's a diamond in the rough, and you got to hold on and cherish those people for sure. Um, and and it's I'm I'm sure your office is like this office where culture is everything. Uh, without culture. It's crazy, too, because, you know, we come from, uh, I touched on this in one, one of the last episodes that hasn't been released yet, but, you know, we come from an industrial society, World, world War One, World War Two. you know, the school system's still set up to just mass produce gen, general education students, and it's not, you know, we're breaking out of that slowly with these big names, Google and stuff like that, where, you know, it's, it's all about, hey, how's everybody doing? How's everybody doing at home? How was your weekend? How was your, was your weekend good? You know, not just go to a factory. You don't talk to anybody. You just do your job. You have lunch with your work buddies and then you go home. And I'm starting to see that a lot, especially in the small business world where you have that true connection with people, which I think is amazing. Yeah. I mean, especially in, in the type of business that you guys are in, same as me, service business, mm-hmm. you know, because that connection extends out to your clients, to your customers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's they're getting that 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 type of service they're getting service from people who care mm-hmm. i mean that's just that's it yeah no absolutely man the uh cool and i tell you what's great about maureen so there'll be clients that we've had i don't know five years ago that are done obviously and they'll call up for one reason or another maybe just say hi or you know something came up and had people a do that they just call and say hi yeah you'd be surprised, you'd be surprised. You get that's awesome. you still get christmas cards it's great really yeah 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 wow, no, that's it's great. awesome it's great hey you're helping people yeah I mean. you know and uh so 
you know, we'll get a phone call and Maureen will be on the phone with somebody and she'll remember this person's kids, the names of the kids, what college they're in. I mean, three, four, five years ago, case is over. She remembers. I mean, it's just amazing. She really cares and she's just a, a quality person. So it's just amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. That makes me so happy to hear. That's yeah. good, though, that people do that, you know. I'm, I'm sure some of the cases that you deal with are, are rather ugly. Um, but, you know, be able to have that those people that still do that, that's incredible. You know, hey, thanks for almost my life back, you know, whatever the situation people are in. Yeah, no, you. I'm saying you, you definitely feel like... Um, I'm performing a service. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think I am. I don't feel like I'm taking advantage of a situation. I feel like I am, you know, coming in a time when people need me. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not. I'm not going into their homes and creating marital discourse. I'm not Absolutely. coming into the homes and creating divorce. Yeah, they come to me, and I'm just really using my experience what I've been through to help them go through this process, to be motivated, to understand that life will continue and mm-hmm. that they have every reason to think positively and, and to move forward. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. yeah. You come to me, I'm not going to come to you and cause trouble in your life. Yeah. The, uh, no man, that's cool. Anything else you want to say before we wrap this thing up? This was good. This was a, this was well done. Well, thank you. No, it was, it was definitely a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, you asked some really good questions and I certainly appreciate the opportunity to talk about myself and to talk about what it is that I do, because um, again, for me, it's not just a job; it's it's a way of my life. I kind of feel very passionate about what I do, and I think that comes through. And and I actually like what I do, which is rare. You're not going to find a lot of attorneys who do what I do, who do divorce, who like what they do. Really? Um, and I will say that you know, I feel that I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing. Like so many people. They do a job because they have to do a job or there's no other options and they feel like they're just in, in, a, in a place that just not, they're not happy. I feel that I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing. One final thought before we close this thing out. But why do you think, like you just said, you know, why do you think you see attorneys that are in a, in law where there's so many different avenues you can go but are doing divorce law that don't like it? Money. Because you're an average attorney, not average, meaning just typical attorney, not like, yeah. you, don't, you don't specialize. Uh-huh. Uh, you're on Main Street, you have an office, mm-hmm. you have a sign up, counselor at law, right? <laughs> Somebody walks in and say, say you focus on, uh, say you mostly do closing, real estate closings, mm-hmm. or some criminal defense. A client walks in, a person walks in, $5,000, I want a divorce. You don't like divorces. You don't really know what you're doing. You'll take it because it's five thousand dollars. Yeah, and then maybe you start doing more and more. But so you you get into it for the wrong reasons. You're getting mm. into it for what you think not easy money, but you know money. And um, a lot of attorneys complain about how much work is involved. They don't realize how much work there is to a divorce case. How much hand holding? How much attention you need to give the clients? Mm. And I think they get into it for, for the wrong reasons. So and for me, it's the opposite. I went into it for the right reasons. I gotcha. What? Hmm. That's crazy. And I guess technically, once you are be past the the bar, you can practice any law. Is that how sure. that works? Yeah. Really? So you can just say, "Hey, I'm going to do yep real estate law today." Yep. Wow. Yep. I mean, you won't know what you're doing, and you may commit malpractice. I wouldn't recommend it, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything but patent law. Patent patent law. You need to take a separate bar exam, but. 
Interesting. Yeah, that's good to know. Just in case you were thinking about it. No. Know. I don't want nope. you hanging at your, nope. your sign outside your door saying patent law because you have to take a second bar for that. Uh, that's for, that's insane. Um, and that's why it's important. I always talk, I talk to clients or just in general, you know, nothing against anyone who's a general pract- a practitioner, you know, meaning somebody does a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. But if you have, you know, heart trouble you want to go to a general practitioner you want to go to a cardiologist Mm -hmm. so for me i i focus i concentrate on one area you know family law matrimonial so and that's what we do day in day out Uh, yeah absolutely i'm a firm believer you know don't go to uh don't go to the mechanic to get your uh your house fixed you know just because they could just because they could bang in a couple nails to fix something for you doesn't mean you should go there um that's insane i still can't believe you can just practice any law but that's super cool, man. I'm glad that you uh, you love what you do. It definitely shows. Yeah, uh, I appreciate sure. that. Yeah, I know I questioned you up and down. No, no. Proud of you for sticking through. I normally don't have that many questions, by the way. But this is something. It's not common. I find something that I literally know nothing about. Um, well, I hope that you don't get to know it too well. I hope that you. Uh, no, no. That's, you know? The goal is to uh, not know yeah. that. But yeah. uh, you know, I blissfully ignorant. You know. I try to learn everything. That's why I have this. You know, I've okay. had many walks of life, uh, and I think it's good to know. And and not so much even for me. Um, you know, like you said, you don't want to send, you don't want to get heart surgery from your general practitioner. And it's not even so much for me. You know, part of the show is to be able to pass on knowledge to other people. Um, I'm I'm a, I'm a very firm believer in being in being in giving. Um, and then you know, because of this show, I've had the ability to pass on a lot of knowledge to people I know if they're having trouble in this area they're having trouble in this area they need a question to answer to this or whatever it may be and as I'm slowly building up I think this is episode 74 75 or something like that and you know that means there's, I've probably had 68 67 guests on there there's been a handful of repeats you know with that I can match those people together hey you need to go speak to this person you need to go speak to this person I I know that this person knows what they're doing because I just interrogated them for an hour hmm. or so um and not even so much an interrogation, but I could always, being able to educate somebody on, hey, you know, I know something about this, you know, maybe I know something about this, or I think you're wrong, you should probably look into this. Um, knowledge is power, my friend. Yeah, I firm believe in that. And congratulations on, on the show, man. That's a lot of episodes. Fantastic. Thanks, man. Just broke uh, just broke the, the full one year. Uh, crazy. Looking forward to uh, episode 100 is going to be a roast. Uh, so you heard it here first. Um, but episode 100 is going to be a roast of Harrison and I'm going to invite hopefully all prior 90 something guests, uh, down and they can all have five minutes of fame of roasting me on the, on the mic. And sounds like a lot of fun. I'm sure everybody's going to have a good time with it. (laughs) Uh, or at least the people that want to roast me, I'll let them roast me. Yeah. So cool, man. Thank you so much for, uh, for coming down and spending some time with me. No, man. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much again. I appreciate, uh, being here. Cool, man. Well, until next time, everybody, we'll see you later. Alrighty, guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Brutally Honest Podcast. If you haven't already, smash that subscribe button, share, review it, tell me all about it. Go visit the website, brutallyhonestpodcast.com. 
You can get in contact with me. You can find out everything about all the episodes, uh, who my guests are, where their websites are located, all their social media links and stuff like that, and find out about all that kind of jazz. And I hope you guys really enjoyed this one. Uh, I felt I felt so bad for Rob. I interrogated him up and down, um, but I was so curious. I really didn't know too much about it. And not that I'm an expert now, but I definitely know a lot about it. Uh, and I just like to accumulate knowledge and share it all with you with you uh, individuals. It makes me happy when I get to do that. So uh, huge thank you to Nerds That Care for sponsoring another podcast. Your IT professionals, if you have an issue with your IT, people not being productive in your office, backups, you're a business owner, you're worried about backups or one of these agencies coming knocking on your door, you have to get somebody who knows what they're doing. Whether it's Nerds That Care or somebody else, just get it done. It's so, so important to... Make sure that you're speaking to somebody who knows what they're going to do, knows what they're doing, is well-educated in the subject, and is going to make sure that you are legally compliant and your employees are working productively. Um, I think it goes super underrated. But other than that, there's nothing else, folks. Spring is around the corner. It was a sunny day on Long Island today, uh, but this is obviously going to be released a couple days afterwards. And uh, lots of big things coming for the the podcast. I don't want to spoil anything just yet. But there's things in the works. Uh, And that's pretty much it, folks. Love you all, and see you guys on the next one. Peace.